Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Pete Chambers, Special Forces. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Friday, December 15th in the year 2023. Tonight we have on my friend, brother in Christ, retired Special Forces, Colonel Pete Chambers, who is going to bring us up to date on all things on the border and much more, including a look at the treason that's happening within the ranks of the military and our government. This man is really literally a force of one that he has moved to such a great degree in this warfare, raising up not only the soldiers that we need in this hour, but raising them up with the understanding that we have to fight this fight first and foremost as a fight in the spirit. So this is a really excellent conversation. I think you'll be really engaged in what he brings, the perspectives that he has, and always the professionalism that he offers. It's just a, a, a great way of looking at how we're going to win this fight, and we will win. Now, Patriots, before we get going further, one thing to keep in mind is we are dealing truly with psychopaths. These are people that have no interest in helping you or I, no interest in helping this nation. They're only interested in helping themselves. And with that, we know that that sort of truth is hard for many people to accept. Unfortunately, we're, we have a country being around, run by clowns. And this clown show is getting worse and it's not getting any better. And their whole goal is to affect the destruction of everything, to bring the people to their knees and make them submissive to the deep state's will. You have to be prepared. So part of that is a food plan, a good food plan that you can rely on. So head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. You'll get $60 off right now on a much-needed four-week emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. They are the largest supplier of preparation of prep foods in the the country, and it's literally giving you a fighting chance of survival when the whole thing goes goes up, which it probably will. So every packet comes with a sealed packaging that will last for up to 25 years, it comes with 2,000 calories a day and a full range of meals that are delicious and really good for you. They help you keep your brain focused. Right now, if you get the four-week emergency food pack, you're going to prepare yourself for the right type of mission of keeping your family set in case a disaster hits, and you want to get one for every member of your family to be prepared. So again, preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. What you want to do is order by 3 p.m., and you'll get free same-day shipping. Again, preparewithbards.com, order by 3 p.m. and get free same-day shipping. Right now is the time to prepare, so don't delay. Preparewithbards.com. Well, Patriots, I had a really good conversation with Colonel P. Chambers this morning, and it was solid on all levels, spiritual and tactical, operational and strategic. Pete is really waging a real war down in in the southern border, and he's doing it for God and country, and he's not taking no for an answer, and he's definitely not taking prisoners as he goes. This is a war of winning overall, and that is dealing with the enemy in the multidimensional ways we have to and overcoming the obstacles that are before us. We have really are sitting in a period right now very close to 1774 or 1775. 
we are getting, we are at a point where our government, just like the British, where it's no longer representative of the people. And it has doing everything it can to use the tools of the government to suppress us, control us, arrest us, destroy us, whatever they can do. And that's only being continued in the latest bills like the NDAA and others that are giving more authority and more power to this corrupt criminal cabal that's running us. We've been hijacked. And so we have a simple choice. You can start playing patty cake and believe that somehow you're going to get things changed to an election system that they own, or you can get on the ground and take action like Pete's doing and truly make a difference. So with that, let's get into the interview and let me introduce to you again, and I always enjoy the introduction, Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers. Patriots, once again, we get the opportunity to have my good friend and brother in Christ and Special Forces veteran, retired Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers on. This man is literally a force of one that is doing so much down on the border, and there's so much more to talk about today. We've got a lot of catching up to do. I'm looking forward to it. Pete, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. One-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. Dude, you're not kidding, man. You are really busy. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. I have found my purpose. You sure have, and you are on fire. You are on fire with the Holy Spirit, and you are literally waging war down there on the border. Let's start there because there's so much to cover sure. today, and we've got unlimited time, but I just really want to dig in. Yeah. Absolutely. Give us just a basic like laydown of the, the current situation of what's going on in the border. That's a good way to start. Yeah, so uh, what's going on... Um, at the 40,000 foot view is is complete mayhem and uh, chaos, which, you know, I, I could go into details on every bit of that, but uh, you can see it. Don't watch the mainstream media and you'll find out what's really happening. Um, we have uh, numbers like we've never seen before. Arizona has reported in with, you know, the top numbers in history. Um, you can watch Michael Yan. You can you can see Todd Bensman. Uh, videos coming out, Muckraker. Met him the other day over there at Mike Adams. Um, these these guys are showing the reality of what's happening in the streams of human human osmotic pressure, and and the 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 demographics have changed significantly to fighting age males, completely almost. I mean, it's it's you might see El Paso, uh, you know, a lot of family units still see them in the Eagle Pass and some in in uh, the typical routes through uh, Rio Grande Valley, about six hours to the east of there on the Rio Grande. You'll still see those, but the, the demographics to the male side has shifted. And look, you know, you and I both know when you see, you know, when you hear a hoofbeat, you think about a horse and not a zebra. And so that's that's the uh, the facts there at the 40,000 foot view. It's just uh, complete in, you know, uh, transfer migration that's taking place. And some of which we know, absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt, are, are terrorist factions. Um and and could possibly be used as a uh, as a cell later on to call up. I mean, it'd be easy if somebody handed me a phone when I infiltrated a country and said, "Okay, when I call you, and you don't have to worry about scamp scrambling your satcom, uh, we're gonna just give you some weapons and we're gonna have you go to town." I don't know. I'm looking at the most dangerous course of action, and that's what I see. I don't think there's any other way to look at it. I mean, there's no other purpose for these people to be there. I told you when I was down in Tucson Airport when I started looking at who was there and those. African males that were there were not nice people and you can see it on them and you know exactly you what I'm talking it. about, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can see it. You can feel it. I mean, you sense it. You, when you have a discernment, what evil looks like and when somebody completely detests you and I, and I see it on the border a lot, 
uh, you know, I'm not working the the LPOPs anymore, the listening post observation posts, but I'm I'm working the backside uh, backside with the locals, you know, the the stakeholders in this whole thing, whose alligator is now at the edge of their canoe, and um, these stakeholders and people that we talk to in our you know domestic internal defense program is uh, is honestly uh, that the fear is in their eyes now as much as the hatred is in the eyes of the people that are opposing them. Fear is a killer, man. Now, so DID, this is something new you've started, Domestic Internal Defense, which is an extension of all of your background, all of what right. you represent in the legacy of the Green Berets. Let's talk about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this the the, the term is trademarked, and, and uh, Chris Wilson put it together, and and, and he's uh, kind of the, uh, the guy that started that specific thing with one Green Beret, and he fell in under with us to side by side, the Revenant A team, uh, because it's what we do. We just, you know, I've used that term before domestically, but let me explain foreign internal defense so you can understand FID versus DID at this point, domestic internal defense. So formally, form, uh, FID, foreign internal defense, is one of the two mainstays of Green Beret um, methodology. Okay, it's, it's how we participate through civilian and military agencies of a government right, that we go down to help to protect uh, or to help them protect themselves, depending on our authorities, uh, in any action program that's taken to uh, essentially protect its society from subversive, subversive type actors, lawlessness, insurgencies, bad actor states, et cetera. Now, the converse of that or the other bread and butter we have is unconventional warfare. And that's where we go in and like you can imagine uh, the Taliban's in control of Afghanistan. Here comes, you know, triple nickel and says, you know, five, five, five from the uh, fifth group. And they come in and then shortly after 9-11, we're on the ground conducting unconventional warfare where the foreign internal defense uh, is not the, you know, the customer is the, is the, the country. In this case, the customer is the oppressed people of that nation. So foreign and internal defense mission, which has been the bread and butter, once again, of the Green Bray units, all over the world for decades. So like we are the experts in this. This is what we do. This is what we live for. And it was based on the old OSS model, Office of Strategic Services in World War II, where behind enemy lines, Jedberg teams went out and conducted the same thing. They just, they just, uh, you know, they built the plane in flight. And then we learned from it. And then you got guys like Banks, Sinklob, uh, generals that, you know, eventually became generals that created the Green Berets. And, and John F. Kennedy in 63 said, here's your Green Beret. Go do great things for the country. He understood the importance of it. Um, so we've been doing that since then. And since 9-11, we kind of got into the mode of d direct action and kind of went off of our mainstay. But really, that's what we do. Now, when we look at domestic internal defense and this is a this is a phrase that was created by mr wilson um that's what we're doing and domestically we're helping out not only landowners but people that live there community groups law enforcement all these people who are constitutionally driven folks who understand and right now because it's fear driven just want to survive that's amazing and that's an awakening at the level, when I say amazing, it's in a level of awakening that's happening where people are starting to come out of their shell to realize that this is not a game. I think we've had too much complacency in people thinking that somehow the government is going to fix it. Do you agree? That, the, the, you, you know, that, that's Stockholm syndrome. Um, you know, the government fixed COVID, right? 
The government fixed the response to COVID. The government uh, has allowed leaders in the military to be treasonous, uh, cowards, or complacent. Uh, you pick. So we we can't rely on the government and the, at the at the senior levels. We have to rely on the local levels, and we talk about this all the time. This is this is what we do. I mean, the the grassroots of this is we live at the tactical level. We also have to operate strategically at the tactical level. This is yeah we we don't have that strategic partner that we would normally think of to say hey shut down our border their border patrol department of homeland security well, I mean let's look at the definition of homeland security right this is our homeland you're not securing it you're failing your mission period yeah. there, there's no you know more no more Hegelian dialectic in that. No, there isn't. I think this is what's most uh, most amazing. Now let's talk a little bit about this because in, go further with the DIG. Yep. You're bringing in mm -hmm. former 18 series, right? So yes, an 18 series is a Green Beret. Uh, there various different uh, military occupational specialties fall on those teams, and uh, they are trained to specifically conduct these type operations. So retired Green Berets who are out there that are looking for a job, they're looking for a purpose, who have had a moral injury based upon our leadership that has allowed you know Afghanistan to fall after 20 years in in two weeks. Um, we we. We took those jobs and those oaths seriously, and uh, there are people that still have that in them that say there's something more important than me. You know, for me, this started, you know, aside from what uh, Mercury DID, that's the company, just aside from what they were doing, and they were just starting out way after I was on the border, um, but I saw this and said, hey, we need to partner up. Um, I was just doing it out of labor of love on people that I knew that lived on the border and said, all right, I'm going to take my horse. I'm going to roll down there with my dog and we're going to go down and show you how to fix your land and your, you know, find the the gaps and the seams and uh, threat vulnerability assessments and look at the game trails and figure out how can we help you avoid a situation, not get into a situation, avoid a situation. You know, I had to take the ninjutsu model where you avoid, dissuade, injure, maim, and then kill. We don't want to go to getting into a gunfight with the cartel. You're going to lose. Uh, so that's what we're doing. And we're using, you know, methodology that's both technical, uh, very archaic in many ways. Sometimes it's the simple things that'll do it. It's fear factor on the enemy. It is psyops. It is fifth generation warfare. It is spiritual warfare. And, and when we use all those things, look, we, we're giving them better than what they've got. And we started very small. Like I say, we, me and the horse and the dog. And now I have a bunch of brothers that have gotten together and said, okay, we're here to help. Where can we, where can we go? Like the Alamo, you know, we're just not going to get hunkered down in a siege mentality. No, this is good. And this is really inspiring too. We, we needed this. We, you know very well how I feel about this. It's just the only group that's really equipped to handle the, what we're dealing with, because this is we are dealing with an insurgency and we have to create the counterinsurgency and the counterinsurgency right. has to leverage the domestic people, which then, as you say, deals with domestic internal defense, which is brilliant. And I love the term, I love the term DID. And, um, I think you're, it's pretty exciting funding wise. How are you dealing with that? So funding is, is going well. We have seed money and that's a good thing, right? You know, we had the gifts and go, we had a fundraiser, got another one come up in February down in Florida, which is great. Um, and it's, so it allowed us to move forward uh, with my other partners in this think tank. And this is, you know, Glenn Beck asked somebody the other day uh, on his show and we're trying to get to him. Hey, how do we, where are the think tanks that actually are, are action driven in Texas? And we're screaming going, we're right here. Look, 
I hear this question all the time. Who's going to do this? Where's the white hats? What's the military doing? You know, the fear questions come out when I speak in communities and, and things like that. This is exactly it. We can't continue to bellyache and complain. You you can, but I'm not. Uh, we're going to you know stand a post until properly relieved. And by doing it legally, morally, and ethically, we will move the ball forward. And we are. And it's a, it's a neighborhood watch program on steroids is what this is. Because now you've got an advisor in the midst of communities, you know, communities who not only will live on the sites and help those ranchers out and be qualified as a level four, you know, security guard, PSD kind of guy, personal security detail. So he's legally got the authorities to do what he has to do to protect himself and his people that are hiring him. But he's also advising them on how to do all the things. And a lot of these guys are way, way more experienced than I am on the ground. You know, I was an officer that uh, did not have a lot of team time because I was a doc, but I understand the mission and I understand how to, to, to motivate and to lead. And so, but when you lead, you're responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen. So we do risk assessments and we do uh, protect ourselves with insurance and things like that. And we do fall underneath the Texas penal codes to make sure that, you know, section 30.50 is adhered to, which is, you know, the the laws that, that pertain to uh, what you can and can't do according to the state. So we're doing that. It seems scary. You know, I think, oh my goodness, militia. No, it's not a militia. It's neighbors. It's we the people. It is all the things that I said. Yeah, that, that's what this is. This is fantastic. We have to learn to navigate the system. As you say, you know, one can bellyache, but you got to do something about it, whatever that looks like. And the, you have to start oh, yeah. taking action in this. And it's very significant what you're doing. Now, Pete, where do you see this? How do you see this playing out? Because right now we have main alleyways and transit points for these, this is osmotic pressure moving into the country. Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of flow, and pretty much most of that is cartel managed and run. How do you see this interdiction working against that sort of thing? Yeah, I'll do that by uh, explaining the the little bit of history with this. You know, when I was on the border a couple of years ago, starting out on Operation Lone Star, when it kicked off, we were in a semi-permissive environment on the border itself, right? So semi-permissive meaning cartels have control of certain areas. Right now, I'm going to say there are certain areas down there, and especially if you get over to, to Arizona side and some of the uh, some of the outlying parts of uh, the the Big Bend of Texas, where if you are alone and unafraid out there, you're crazy. You better be afraid. Um, but you also have to understand that that is a non-permissive environment at this point, and this the other sectors that were further inland now, further towards Dallas and Austin and Houston. Now those are becoming semi-permissive pockets, if you will, where you really got to watch your back. Uh, home invasions are taking place where they're they're utilizing, and this is even up north, up, up in Wisconsin. I got a story of them using jammers to jam the uh, phones that are in the house and to do a home invasion. And now nobody's been killed yet, and I pray that they aren't. But they're they're getting more sophisticated. And so as people get desperate and human osmotic pressure and transfer migration is created to make people desperate, um, then you'll see more and more of that. So the semi-permissive environments, which is kind of like living next to Iraq during the war, you might be in Jordan or Syria, you know, you might be in Jordan next to Syria. Jordan is a safe country relatively, but it's semi-permissive. You can't walk around without thinking about a terrorist um, or, or a, a somebody that's wanting to take you out. So... Now we're thinking that way further inland, and that's 
where I see this going. It's it's going to get worse, unfortunately, for some areas of the country because of the, you know, we we defund police and then you don't have somebody to show up when you dial 911. We allow people to burn cities down and then we put somebody in jail for walking outside the Capitol. You know, good friend of mine, Coy Griffin, you know Coy, oh, yeah. um, you know, was attacked viciously uh, for riding a horse on January 6th outside the Capitol. Right. Yeah. So let's go after him, but let's not take down the ones that are burning Chicago down or, you know, Portland or, you know, in, in certain pockets in New York. I mean, it, it's going to be worse for them, unfortunately. And and you you got to think at what point, are you, you know, you're going to allow your neighborhood to to burn to the ground so that you can't get basic necessities in. And when basic necessities go, then people that are typically not criminal in mindset will become hungry. And we'll do things that they normally wouldn't do. There is no question that this is has to hit a tipping point with the amount of uh, pressure that's being put on the society. We have a, cl a cultural clash that we're looking at here that's just by the principle of cultural clashes alone, there is no way through this without some pain because you have completely different yes. optics and ways of looking at things. Mm -hmm. In that scenario... And you're seeing them. You're you're looking more in detail of where many of these migratory groups are going. Where are mm -hmm. you seeing some of that greatest pressure happening? Is it in is it in the blue cities? Is it just randomly across the nation? What's your thoughts? Yeah, the, well, the blue cities were kind of the uh, we'll call that their um, their test run. Essentially, it, it happened you know years back, I believe, in many neighborhoods. But you see, like San Francisco, and I've been there before when it was nice you know, basically extremely dangerous to walk down the streets. Um, and those blue cities now uh, are, are enemy territory, if you will, as far as safety, you know, just they, they are. Um, and then I'm seeing the movement now pushing more towards the red cities, okay, or those cities that are in red states. Because in most cities, you know, nowadays are Soros controlled and and mayors, you know, are are have sold their souls. And so they, even Austin, which is, you know, not that far from our headquarters is, uh, is, you know, law enforcement is, is a shambles, not because of the officers themselves, but because of their leadership and, uh, their district attorneys going after officers for, uh, crazy reasons, you know, it's, it's hurt their ability. You know, those people that live in those, those suburbs of Austin can't dial 911 and get anybody there in a re reasonable amount of time. We're in a strange period here that it almost, I, I've looked at this like you have for years now. And what there's constantly this willfulness of this leadership in our nation, DOD, political, right. they're willing to sell out at any cost. They're willing to do whatever right. to gain some other favor. But there is a pendulum swing that has happened. Let's just take it two ways. We'll just say that the pendulum swing is, first of all, towards worse, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to be in the winning side of that. You and I both know that let's just take that most out, out there scenario that I think they truly believe is going to happen, where that you're going to mm -hmm. get an invasion of like the Chinese by all the Chinese military-age males that they're bringing up inside here. The people that have sold out this nation will be the first ones they line up and put on the wall and shoot. And I don't. Right. And, and what blows me away is that they cannot get that in their head. Somehow they are overcome. It's almost like a spell. A spell cast has been put on them. That they, Boom. There it is. Right. You agree with me? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I had this conversation at dinner last night with Mark Bashaw. He came up to see me, and uh, 
brought his boy with him, and it was awesome just to, just to hang out face to face. But Mark Bashaw, whistleblower, lieutenant, uh, UCMJ was uh, fullest extent of the law was thrown at him with a court martial. Benman was his uh, twin brother that uh, went after Trump, uh, was his uh, staff judge advocate. So Mark Bashaw and I were talking, and we were talking about this very thing, which is there will be nowhere for them to go or hide when this all comes out. Now, what they're banking on is that there'll be a complete control over society and that they'll just fall right in where they think they're going to be, uh, you know, knighted, if you will, by some queen, you know, and 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 it's just not going to happen. You know, I mean, uh, we know that right in the long run, we'll, we'll win out. We know that. Okay. But right now, um, as, as Brad Miller, I, this, this interview with you falls on the tail of you know, Brad Miller and I speaking, Brad's former 101st Battalion commander who 19 and a half years uh, took a stand and it, there was a cost. And I think you've had Brad on. Yeah. And so, well, he yeah. Was a, he was so, a Bards Fest too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And so, so we've got Brad, you know, and I talking about this very thing in the uh, moral injury that's taking place. And so these are signs and symptoms of the moral injury. And here's the problem. People don't read history. They don't know the history of the brown shirts in, in Nazi Germany who came in and destroyed everything like Antifa and BLM. And then what happened to them? They were put against the wall and shot. Yeah. Right? Stalin did it when he sent away his his uh, activists in, into the gulags. So even though they were they were helping him, he just found a reason to say, hey, you know what? You're an enemy of the state. You're going to the gulag. And it's so eloquently written about in the uh, Archipelago uh, story that Solzhenitsyn talks about. So read the history. You'll know what's going to happen to you. But they don't read history because our school systems don't teach history anymore. Well, Gary Bezmanov, I mean, the, the guy is the whistleblower oh. who 39 years ago, KGB right. whistleblower, that came in and laid out this exact scenario we're in right now. And he, under, right. he was mapping out exactly what was going to happen. And his, <laughs> and his part that is just so I love listening to this interview. He's like... And the liberals, and basically says those people that are the liberals that follow us, they are the dumbest of all because they are the first one we will line up on the wall and shoot. He's very blunt and about shoot. it because they and know shoot. too much and shoot. I mean, they're going to be gone. I mean, right. it's, it's, it is how they manage these sorts of, of revolutions. And let's just take that most extreme element of like somehow a Chinese controlled government seizes from within. They are not going to deal with any of these people that sold out this nation. Because they know that if they sold them out to them, they will sell them back out to the people. They're going to be the most most vile piece that they ever want to get. They will round them up and dispose of them in half a second. And shoot them. Yes. Right. So I, this yeah. is the part that stuns me. So we, we get back to the spell cast thing, mm -hmm. which is, it's, and you and I talked about it yesterday, which is like, even dealing with many of these people with money, they're living right. in this world where it's like, I'm insulated, I've got all the money in the world, and then suddenly on their border, or on their property, they start dealing with these problems. And, and it's like they start to open their eyes and go, oh, wait a minute. It doesn't matter how much money I have in the bank account. It's not going to protect me. It's like, yeah, no kidding. You brought this in. No kidding. You, were, you brought this in. So are you, you're able yeah. to, are you able to have these sorts of conversations with these people to loosen up funds so that you can get better funding for what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so here's the good thing about uh, the the seed money, which did help. And we, we still are in need. I mean, it, it you know, it, it's a daily operation. But... Um, the landowners, and we're, we're setting up a 501c3, and this is how we're going to do it in the long term, is we will have people that will come in that are post-military, that we that might be in a funk right now, that might need some help. A lot of Green Berets, you know, we, the, the 21 people a day 
the higher higher um, you know, we're talking about suicides now. Those that are depressed, that are disenfranchised, disheartened. Um, Besmanov talks about that, by the way, demoralization. Um, those people in the military that have gotten out, that are looking for a purpose again, if we can give them that purpose and we can do it through that, then we can actually fund this whole thing. We can do this. We just need some, you know, we need to keep moving the ball forward. And we will, with or without those people with the deep pockets. Matter of fact, it's been the people with the the $17, you know, that fancy number, and uh, $45 that have been the ones that have funded this whole thing. All right, well, let me let me throw something at you. I mean, this is, like, just something that came up, and I was actually talking to Corey Terry about this just the other day, and I think we should, I want to throw it into your court to see what you think about this because of what you yeah. just said. Paul Kentrell and his family are here. We've been talking a lot about doing this sort of deliverance, healing, and restoration and focusing in on special operations veterans. So mm -hmm. you just talked about a potential pipeline, and that is to take these guys that are coming out that are morally broken, to channel mm -hmm. them up here where we can get them re reset. And that would be including we, we can set up, and we've already talked about it. We, we have our firing range setting up here. We've got an ability to work with animals. We have an ability to have the kids put hands on them and to restore them spiritually and morally. And we're not talking months. We're talking days and weeks, the power of this and then mm -hmm. recycle them back to you to where they are now reset and back on their feet. I think there's something here, Pete. Yeah, there is. And, and there's a different, there's different levels of folks coming out. There's the guy like me that just kind of like, you know, I was just talking with Brad about this, Brad Miller. You know, I was, I was angry. I was upset. You know, the stages of grief, I felt like I was in a bad marriage and I got divorced and she took everything. You know, I mean, that's how I felt. It was, it was really, really hard to be stabbed in the back by the military that I gave my life to. And 21 guys that I put in a body bag, they gave their life to. But the the stages of grief for me have moved on pretty quickly because I was blessed in that I was to find a purpose through guys like you and, and other folks that have been out there mentoring us this way. Right. But I was able to move quickly because I, I came with a pretty solid grounding, but there's a lot of people that just need that, that, that firmer uh, foundation that they won't admit to. I promise you that that's the hard part. You know, green Braves won't admit to it. But it, it's not just Green Bay. It's it's anybody in the military, and there are positions with us to do this that don't require the long tap. Now to be in that position to do the DID stuff, yes. But uh, you know, there's other things we're working on in the virtual wall technical world. So we're going to need some 19 deltas, which is you know the scouts. We're going to need some 35 series, which are the uh, intel analysis people, because we have a lot of a huge amount of open source intelligence that we've got to analyze and look at daily. So there will be other positions as we grow, but we can, you know, we, we don't want to outrun our headlights. So we're in that kind of that gray zone, but yeah, the people that come to us that are, that are needing a tune up or, you know, to get on track to, to, to do what I do, which is the balance beam of life. I look at Christ's face at the end. And as soon as I start falling off the balance beam, I start, you know, grabbing my brother's hand that's next to me and going, Hey, let's get back up here. You know, that's kind of how I, I see things. And so, you know, that, that's, that's what we need is, is that, that kind of entity. And, and, and we could start cause you know, I have friends in different organizations that do programs, but we need something that can bring them back online quickly uh, to um, as we say in the business, you know, shoot, move, communicate, and medicate, you know? Well, we'll talk more about this, but I think there's an opportunity here to create a, a, a to create these sort of field training stations and to get them cycling oh, yeah, through as they yeah. come online and to give them some base healing that can be, you know, two to seven days and then to move them out 
And that's almost, you know, it's like a, and it's like a pre-selection, if you will. I mean, a certain Well, way. you know, if you think about it, before we deploy every time, we do a PMT, pre-mission training. Mm -hmm. So every time a Green Beret deploys, or any unit for that matter, you might go to JRTC in, in or Polk, Louisiana. You might go to, you know, the uh, desert out there in California and be out there running, you know, land warfare operations before you deploy out there uh, west of Fort uh Bliss, which I don't know the new name for. I'll, I'll just stick with that. Um, you know, out there, there's a training site out in the, you know, the high plains that prepared us for Afghanistan. So you you still need your PMT. You still need your pre-mission training. And it's, it, it's you know, multiple fold. It's it's spiritual is the, is the primary focus for me right now. Um, but it's also the reality that, you know, faith without works is dead. So I have to then take that faith and, and those that those short up those positions and put them to work, which means you got to tune up your your mindset to get back in the combat mindset, but not necessarily kinetic, but like I said here, domestic internal defense. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, I, I think there's, and it's so important to get the guys rooted in, and when we talk about, and you and I have talked about this in the GID place, not just in the kinetics and not just in the, in the traditional skills, but just amp them up and ramp them up into the ability of spiritual warfare. Absolutely. You know, the, the first enemy that I got to deal with is me. You know, once I realized that, I was like, okay, now I got this, you know, but I don't have this. He has this. I'm the master, but the father. But but truly, once you realize that and you empty yourself, it's, it's just like, you know, I, I told you this the other day. I, I was writing some thoughts down uh, uh, based on my morning readings. And sometimes I, I wake up at 3.30 in the morning. This The other morning was 3.33 when this one came. And it was thoughts of a warrior monk. And I have to write these down, otherwise I'll forget. And these are coming from dreams and old men dreams dreams, right? Right. So thoughts of a warrior monk. And this is what I wrote. I said, I'm excited to be in the front rank position in this battle. I'm trembling with the fear of the Lord in his presence. I'm anticipating his entry. I'm loving like his son, Jesus. I'm weeping that my sins put him there. I'm joyful that he covered us in a grace giving the blood, give, the grace giving blood of the lamb. I'm emboldened as the scriptures reveal the power of the Lion of Judah. And then I final thing that I wrote was, when you accept Jesus is all you have, then Jesus is all you need, and it feels good. Oh, dude, that's good. So solid. It's also so refreshing, too, because we're starting to pivot. This is something I was telling you a lot about, and I, I really got into it last night on Fishers, and Corey was in chat with me, and I also got into it on Bards FM, is that our mm -hmm. the real war, there's, there's these... For you to be effective on the ground, let me rephrase this. For you to be effective on the ground, we need a nation to rise up and to take and siege into the principalities and start doing that through prayer. And Patton understood that. He understood that very intrinsically mm -hmm. into his campaigns and what he did, that he needed a nation behind him of praying people for his soldiers on the ground to win. And this is the really the focus, I think, if we just start to look at this integrated battle where when we talk about the things you're saying, like talking about 18th series or intelligence guys or scouts, those are specialized skills. They're, they're needed, they're critical in this hour, but for them overall to be covered, to be, to be able to operate more effectively and to be ultimately victorious in this battle, you need an army of intercessors and prayer people that are taking that war into the spiritual realm to start yes. breaking down the strongholds and fortresses, right? Yes, sir. You know, it's, it's amazing that you say that, you know, this, 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 um, you know, I'm very much a military-minded guy, so I think in terms of you know permissiveness and uh, authorities and things like that. And a and a sister, an intercessor sister of mine, 
told me this not too long ago. And she said, you know, you have a flesh, you have your soul, you have your spirit. And she said, for for me, you know, and I was explaining, I said, I've operated in the flesh pretty much most of my military career. You know, I'm going to be strong enough. I'm going to be fast enough. I'm going to be bad enough. I'm going to be, you know, efficient enough. I'm going to exude confidence. I'm going to demonstrate competence. Okay, all those things that I learned. But now when you flip it around and you put the spirit on top and you allow your spirit to speak to the Holy Spirit or to listen to the Holy Spirit, and then your soul and your flesh follow, my goodness, what a weapon you are at that point. Well said, man. I think this is also something that's so critical. And as part of the prayers we've been doing is that, and praying for you, in fact, and praying for the types of work you're doing, is that part of the prayer I think that needs to be is, God, guide my hand, which is, I think, very important. Oh. And not just to be yeah. random, right? Because we have a tendency... This is where the discipline of what I've shared with you, what I'm calling what you're building as the uncorruptibles, because they're men of heart, men of honor, men of valor, men have been trained to be disciplined in their task and skill. But right now, more than ever, they need something greater than that. They need to hear the voice of God so that when they lift that sword of steel, metaphorically speaking, they know that that's an anointed moment that has been blessed and authorized by our God, our Father to use it as effectively and as, and as need be. And I think that mm -hmm. shifts the battle significantly away from the enemy able to corrupt hearts and infuse an, ever en an endless war, which is what they're trying to do. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you talk about corruptibles, um, we've been around that, right? Mm -hmm. All of us that have put a uniform on, we've been around that. You, before all this, before COVID, before the, the red pilling and all this stuff, we've seen people that compromise their careers by doing things that were corruptible, yes. corrupted. They were corrupted by something, either money, women, uh, you know, or men in the case of a woman soldier. You know, we've seen those things happen and you, you feel for them, but you know, you made your bed, you gotta lay in it, right? You mm -hmm. gotta deal with that. But in this case, because the we're in a zero defect environment, because the stakes are so high, we have to be incorruptible. And the only way to do that is to stay on that balance beam of life, looking at Christ's face, continuing on. When you fall, and I will, I'll fall tomorrow, I'll fall every day, 50 times in a day. But I will always, always, always eat myself back up and continue the mission. And I will do it through those intercessors, through those prayer partners, through those uh, iron sharpening iron men who speak into my life, tell me truths, though they be hard, I will still take them and say, okay, you know, I hate you at this very moment because you said this to me, but you're right. Okay, I'm back on the beam. Right. Good. The incorruptibility of that and the, the beauty of that is that that's what's expected of us. It is. And that, that's by wise counsel we wage war. That is just a brilliant example of that because that's how we keep those on the point accountable and support that as a body as we pray in, intercess in, and literally do those things that God equipped us to do and to work truly as the body, knowing that in the, in the whole scope of the body, there are those mm -hmm. like Joshua leads that will go into the city and slay every man, woman, child, and donkey. But there are equally those, and I always talk about this, it's the camp where Joshua goes back to where they have the campfires. Who's there? Those are, that's the support element, man. That is where they are. They're being prayed yeah. upon. They're being taken care of. And it's just full lifting up of the army. And, I, and for me, what's important about this from a broader voice, and I know you share this, is mm -hmm. that when you talk about an 18 series and we talk about the Green Beret, it is a truly specialized and elite warrior. That does not take away the value and need of those who have never put on a uniform, who in this period of time, many have suffered as much as one could suffer for this nation. 
They have right. lost jobs. They have lost families. They have lost loved ones to the death shot. They have gone through an miserable fire and still are holding the line for the love of this nation, the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, Bill of Rights, and most importantly, a country that was built on the foundation of Christian ethics. Those people are so powerful in this, in this time. And they truly become the mighty warriors of the spirit that we need because they understand yes. what it's taken to fight through this. And they can bring so much. This is where I see this kind of osmotic relationship where they are, can bring so much to the warriors on the point. Where these guys are great at what they do. But to value also that other group of people, Americans, who have held the line. Pete, you and I both know that some of these people they've, who've never worn a uniform have been as heroic as anybody could possibly be, standing oh up against gosh, the impossible yes. voice, having their jobs taken away, being fired, losing their families, being divided by families. Those are miserable blows that the enemy try to wage and levy. And the bottom line is mm -hmm. they held the line. And that's incredible right there, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's the the moral, personal courage that's exhibited that's an army value, but you don't have to be in the army to exhibit moral, personal courage. I mean, it's... It's just a fact. And then some of my greatest heroes never touched a uniform. I mean, uh, Mrs. Barker, the lady that used to speak over me in church, you know, 90-something years old. Uh, oh, not 90. She's less than that. But uh, older lady, sweet, and just a warrior in the kingdom. Spoke over me that no weapon formed against me would prosper. You'll speak to millions someday. I'm like, I will never speak to millions, Miss Barker. And now if you add up the podcast and all this, I've been on probably half. Oh, you're speaking and it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about her fight that she had where she told truths. It's about the fight that, you know, my prayer sister, you know, intercessor who, who you know, stands a post for me in the spiritual realm, which is as much a fight or more. Brother, let me tell you, I'll take that all day long. Absolutely. Let's yeah. talk about this corruption in our military. This is atrocious. Yeah. We are dealing with a level, and you and I talked about this earlier, this is a level of treason, uh -huh. unprecedented. What do we got going here, Pete? I mean, what, what do you see, first of all, as the motivation for this leadership to descend into the bowels of truly treason against this nation and its own soldiers? And where do you see right. this going? I'm going to share something with you that Brad talked about, which is really fascinating in his substack on moral injury. 1787, the Philadelphia Convention, Benjamin Franklin was sitting there and he was looking at the chair that George Washington presided over and he wasn't in it and he was looking at it and he said he wondered in the course of the sessions, he would look at the sun and the sun was right behind the chair, right? And he says, he's looking at it, he's wondering, this nation, is the sun going up or is the sun going down on this nation, right? And at that point, I believe that what he's saying is, is that the sun was going up and it was rising at that time because it was becoming a nation. But we have to ask ourselves, where's that sun now? Because those that are that are um, that are charged with upholding an oath of office, some of which right now in the in the federal government don't have an oath of office, by the way, but that moral injury that we use, we've used this term for a long time, and Brad just brought it back to light through uh uh, a lady, that Dr. Shackelford, that brought it to him and said, hey, consider this. It's it's created a permeability of resentment amongst those of us that, that had exhibited moral, personal courage. It's created a feeling of, okay, well, if our leaders are getting away with this, then I guess I'm going to get mine and I'm going to get my rank. You know, the guy that fired me 
right, that came to relieve me on the border, mm -hmm. got promoted from colonel to one star. Oh my gosh. Right. And he was the guy that was telling soldiers, you have to take this or you're going to get booted. I'm the guy that's telling him, no, you don't need this. Let's go by the regs. And we're not going, and sir, you know, the general that came to me, this is an unlawful order. Well, so you see that if the rest of the people around them are watching this, they're going, well, doc, you know, 30 something years of service, you know, 20 good years. He, you know, was one of five Green Beret doctors in the inventory and they booted him off the border. Well, heck, I'm going to go ahead and fall in line because I'm a coward and I'm going to do what's going to take care of my career. Mm -hmm. That's symptoms showing the the injury that's taken place. And now, because the top, the Pentagon, uh, the Pentagon, what can I say? Uh, you know, chocked full of cowards, traitors, and, you know, people are just letting it, you know, being lemmings and getting their careers, you know, to end so they can get out and get their, their uh, you know, uh, yeah. unlike Brad Miller, who, you know, didn't get a, a pension. Uh that's what they're doing. So that constitutional picture there of Benjamin Franklin saying that is making me think, is is the sun setting on this? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't either. I just know that there has to be a certain point in extreme accountability in our nation that is it's the only way we will heal and repair this. And extreme accountability means that there are those that are <sighs> the, the instruments of this that have literally thought this through and seen personal gain out of it. And then there right. are those that have willfully gone along. And you can't just let that pass, not if you're going to reset a moral no. base in this nation. So that's why I talk many times, as I'm sure you've heard on the show, I'm speaking out to these agencies, speaking out to Border Patrol, speaking out to DHS, speaking out to soldiers in rank, and saying, listen, you have an obligation, you swore an oath, and you need to do the morally right thing here. Forget your pension, yes. forget your union, your union pressure, forget all that stuff. Because if you aren't doing the morally right thing, this is going to reset. There is no question about it. And, and, and it, may, it may be in a short term, it could be a dark reset. But either way, you are not going to be the winner on this. You're not no, going to No, no. And there, there is an atonement, right? Yes. There is an atonement in this. And there is a way forward with this. And, and Brad and I talked about this earlier. You know, he, he used the uh, AAR, you know, so we're, we're looking at a... a uh, after action report is is the way that you know that I was taught it and, it, and it's basically we're looking at what did we just do so let's look at the the COVID model what did we just do and was it good or bad and what we did did it result in good or bad you know I'm just being very simple here and so let's let's start looking at all the things that we did and what what the the final outcome of that and Brad and I ended with this and you and I are you know discussing this now is accountability, right? Because we have to realize that the mandate was unlawful. We have to realize that there was harm. There was physical and moral injury. We have to realize that now there's accountability. And then after that, there's restitution. And so those people that are in the military still or in those uh, federal agencies, understand this, that you will be held accountable either now or in the afterlife. And so your your choice right now is to be, is to get on the right side of this. Because if you pivot which we like to call, you know, in the Christian world, repent. If you pivot off of your decisions, like the guy that came to me afterwards, a different doctor that, that was the one that actually told me I, my my mission was over, uh, got out, took his uniform off, and that witchcraft that was all over him somehow disappeared. And he said, hey, 
I'm really sorry. What happened to you? You were right. We were wrong. Wow. There's restitution in that. Well, I think there's, there's, a, there's a, go ahead. Yeah. There, well, I mean, I was gonna say that that's, that's the atonement we talk about. I agree. And I think you said something here that's really important. We can't in any way overstate this. And you use the term witchcraft. There is a witchcraft yes, spell, spell casting going on on this. that is capturing people up in this mind, mind lock that they can't see clearly. And as you just said it, he took his uniform off and steps out and this says like he sees clearly. And I, re I say this because while we talk about atonement and there are true people of evil in this involved in here, there's no question, but there's a lot of people that have been brought along on this and atonement still has to happen, accountability. But our warfare isn't towards the flesh. It has to be towards separating them from the spell cast that's on them, which is a warfare in the spirit. And when we start to do that, we can start breaking the control of the enemy, in my opinion. Right. No, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, brother. I mean, that that's exactly the, the accountability. Look, Mark Bashaw and I talked about this last night. There's a moment that's going to be tough love. There's a moment that's going to be truth. And just like when I was downrange and I went AWOL because I was with a different element of fifth group, you know, running around with them. And my command was like, where's a doctor? I didn't know I was AWOL. I told the lieutenant, but he forgot to tell everybody. But either way, I'm responsible for myself. I had to walk in sheepishly to the battalion commander and go, and I was just a captain. Sir, I was wrong. I didn't confirm that somebody knew that I was out of your AOR and in a different one and conducting operations, but I couldn't get to a phone, unfortunately. But <laughs> you're responsible. So I still had to deal with now, the, my call sign Rogue Zero One came from that, so that was kind of cool because I went from a you know pretty crappy one to a cool one. But uh, <laughs> you know, but you know, you you have to answer for your mistakes. You know, I made a mistake. I didn't confirm that they knew. You know, I didn't go. I didn't check out properly. Whatever it was, you know, I was a little bit roguish in that case. But and I deserved the the tongue lashing that I got. But you deserve especially in the military, when you make a mistake and it, and it's and it's a significant one to where it results in physical or moral or any kind of injury, spiritual, you now boot these people out of the military, they don't have a purpose anymore, and there'll never be restitution for the ones that took their own lives. There'll never be restitution for the ones that were damaged by a vaccine that were was essentially coerced upon them. There will never be restitution for that. No, there won't. So those... Now, when I put it in that, and that's what Mark said to me last night, and I said, you're right. So that's where the righteous anchor, that's where I turn tables over, you know? 100%. And it, it's funny you said that. I was talking about flipping tables this morning and what it, <laughs> literally right. the deeper meaning of like Babylonian magic, which all ties in here. Because so much of what these people are being controlled by, which is the absolute <laughs> wrong thing. Is the dollar? I mean, they're they're controlled by the fear of not having a pension, the fear of losing their job, the fear of not having benefits, and it's like it's going to go away anyway. This is the short term obsession with this is stunning to me because the model that we're working on, as they bring these people in, they flood they're flooding our country with a mass number of people that are 100 percent dependent on a handout. All they have to mm. do is cut that spigot off. And these people right. go into instant panic mode and they there will be violence and it will be random. It won't necessarily be organized, at least not initially, but there's no other, there's no other way forward on that because this is the setup. Bring them in and then cut the, cut the funding off and suddenly you end up with all of these people, seven and a half million or more, 
that have mm-hmm. nothing to live on. What do we think is going to happen? It's, this is yeah. Well, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say I'm going to jump on that just to add to it. You know, this is the Cloward Piven doctrine yes. in its entirety. This is the create the the umbilical cord, if you will, the, the Stockholm syndrome, and then they can't survive without me. You know, me being government. So yeah, that's that's what that's why these people when they walk across the border, are either given cash or a, a debit card and a phone, because that's going to get them here. That's the hook. And then when they cut when they cut all those programs that the taxpayers are paying for, by the way, um, yeah, then there's going to be uh, hell to pay. Well, let me jump into something I presented the other night, and I and I shared it with Corey, and I know Corey was on the show, and I'm, I think I've shared it with you, but I want to get your opinion on it. Looking at this from a UW model, and looking at this from a from a reasonable strategic, operational, and tactical response, all three tiers. Mm-hmm. We are ended up with a mass flood of people, seven and a half million people that have come into this nation. And right. the problem we have here is the longer that they stay, the deeper they get embedded. And we're not simply going to be able to round them up and send them out. That is a ton of people that you are just not going to be able to, society is not going to let it go. And right. un- unfortunately, there is a need for some of them too. Whether we like it or not, this shot has devastated a lot of the labor pool in this yes. nation. And that's just yes. real. So my opinion is, in a, from a UW model, is the only mm-hmm. way to get a victory out of this is to start getting to them before the deep state completely sucks them into their vortex of hell, which is literally... Before the... Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead, which literally... Literally, I mean, like, get in... Even if we have to translate the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, and Bill of Rights into Spanish, get them a copy so they can start <laughs> understanding it. That's and, perfect. Right? Yes. And then start... Yes. And, well, you know, and, we talk about that in our circles, you know, with the Republic of Texas folks, you know, our president, you know, Billy Ford, um, he talks about that, and that's, a, that's an entity of Texas that is... Uh, was illegally annexed in 1845, who is the phoenix that should, you know, Texas or the country ever fall would stand up. But, uh, you know, understands that they don't have the authorities to do certain things, but they do maintain their their continue, continuity of government. And Billy said, we have to embrace these folks because these these people are here. Now, I meet people on the streets and I talk to them and I ask them and they say, this isn't what we thought it was going to be. We're, we're, we're hungry. We, we don't have jobs. And I said, right, right. You know, there's a system. The system is broken. And uh, all our Border Patrol guys are now pulled off their points and are now processing people. So we have no, we have completely open you know, border right now, despite of what, you know, Mayorkas may say. So we, we have to embrace those folks um, because they are humans. And I see their eyes and I know that they're scared. And there are many of them that are not nefarious actors, you know, probably the vast majority. But they will become uh, dangerous in many senses. Not, not maybe not physically. Some of them, you know, some of the family units. But you know, when they when they get really hungry, people are going to do exigent things. We can embrace them and, and avoid a lot of that. I fully agree. They they are and they are an army in the waiting. And literally, this is what God had put in my heart anyway. Is like go to them and bring them into the body of Christ. We take right. those seven and a half million people who are here on varieties of reasons. At some point or another, whether they were sold a false dream or not, they picked up and they came here. This is a part I mm-hmm. think that we have to kind of separate. There are the coyotes, there are those that push those people, but there is also a motive for people to come here for whatever reason that is. Now, I know Michael Yon's been down in El Salvador. He's been doing some interesting work 
And, yes. and it's been showing the stability of those regions. So I don't know really what we're getting. And I think the other question we have to continue to ask, which is where are they coming from? I mean, truly mean that. Like, where are mm -hmm. these kids coming from? Like, are, are we dealing with baby factories like we had in Ukraine? And I'm serious about this. Because well, we are dealing with that when we know that there's at least 86,000, probably, probably about 200,000 children that have come across the border that we don't know where they're at. There is no visibility on them. Yes, we, we know that. Uh, that's a that's a given. We found 109 of them uh, not too long ago in a in an apartment complex in, in Dallas and turned that over to the authorities. Uh, these were boys that were being used in a gang called Los Cholos uh, to do, you know, ransack cars and things like that, you know, teenagers. So, yeah, that that's, uh, you know, that's, that's we know that uh, for sure. Um, but how do we get to them you know, in the time? You know, Victor Marks, I don't know if you know Victor Marks. I know the name. Yeah, Victor Marks is a... Uh, a, a a lay pastor, he's a pastor, uh, spiritual man, great guy, who runs a lot of uh, child rescue stuff overseas. He's been in Syria, he's been in the hot zones, he's he's done a lot of stuff with uh, tier one operators and uh, retired that have been on his staff that have helped out. But Victor came to the border when I was down there in uniform and he brought these little, little teddy bears uh, and sheep, and they were either a teddy bear or a sheep, and uh, you press the, and they gave them to children and he gave the military with the national guard. We got thousands of these things and we handed them to the kids as they came across. And what was in that, that little toy, you press the little hand and it would play a, a, a prayer in Spanish. Right. Nice. And nice. so these little children, that was the first thing they got when they got across the border was this little prayer doll. And it would just, you know, they'd hold it. And I've got pictures with two little girls, two little sisters that we rescued one day. Um, that were coming across with some bad actors, seven and eight year old sisters that uh, had them in their hands, just holding them tight, right? And then when they got to the station at the border patrol, they took all their stuff away from them. Naturally. Heartbreaking. Yes. But the intent of what Victor Marks was trying to do was right. So we had to stop doing that because he was wasting his money because the border patrol was rolling up all their stuff, putting it in a bag and burning it. So that that's unfortunate, but uh, yeah, that that's that's the idea. The intent is correct. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the whole point here is to try to raise these people up, get them stronger, become part of us, not see them as antagonists. I mean, they're here, and it's, it's a and the logistics. And I know that we there's people that really believe that that has to happen, but the fact is that even if they go away, they're still going to come back. So you might as well embrace where they are here. And the policies aren't going to wait it anyway. The Americans have a bigger heart towards those that strive to work. They don't want the criminal element. They want it out, and they'll take it out in any way. A good testimony to that is Portland, Oregon, by the way. Mm, right. Um, in the late 70s, downtown, which became the downtown re reconstruction and later the Pearl District, it was completely run by skinheads. And it was later in, it was around 1989, as I recall, maybe it was 87. There was a skinhead group that attacked a Somalian uh, student at Portland's University of Portland or Portland State, I'm sorry, Portland State downtown. Mm -hmm. And they literally kicked the window in, drug him out and boot stomped his head in with steel toed boots. Not kidding. And this <sighs> was, this was the Metzger clan that was running out of LA that was up there. This is, Portland has always been fairly liberal, whether people realize that or not. But that was such an egregious violation of what even the liberal culture wanted. 
They literally turned to the, to the city and the police and they said, fix it at any cost. And what waged onwards from there for the next 10 years or so was literally an urban warfare of unprecedented level. And you're talking okay. like there was a weekly shooting in Portland of some cop killing somebody and no one blinked an eye. It was just like, whatever, part of getting, getting rid of him. And they cleaned out all of the downtown. Unfortunately, they, there was a osmotic push with this because not, they arrested what they could and many of them were pushed out and they went up to um, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And that's where they kind wow. of repositioned. But Portland was literally cleaned up. And that's where the revival of Portland came. And it came from a very heavy-handed police action that, and we studied it when I was at Asymmetric Warfare Group in Fort Meade because we were looking at the domestic issues of what it looks like to be able to run a counterinsurgency. And Portland did a great job up until um, Occupy. And, I, and I, I did a whole research on them at Occupy. Portland police were cutting edge in the sort of things that they did using what we would call now fifth generation warfare. They used engagement strategies. They did a massive influence campaign to, to kind of pull apart the under underpinnings of Occupy and to create a natural osmotic push that allowed them to, re, to move without forceful pressure. And right. everything worked well. All of those things are going to have to be learned and relearned in our cities again, because we are both in the heavy hand and the, the um, dynamic aspects of influence and, and, uh, and persuasion, if you will, or, or engagement to be able to fix this. But we are dealing, we're coming into a crisis right now in these in our nation. Unfortunately, I think it's going to take a major wake-up call. And it's it's like you've already stated and you started with, it's the fighting age male that's coming in here. Oh, yeah. That, that you know, everything you said, you, you know, now, we, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So we can look back at that and just say, we saw it happening. We watched it happen. You know, unfortunately, I think during that time in Portland, I was probably uh, focused on mission sets, so I didn't didn't see that. But now we can look back, right, and look at the track record and say this is it. So that that leads me to a, a point that I really want to make. This is really important: is the left of bang theory, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we say left of bang, and I know you understand this, but for your listeners, the bang is the IED in the road, and you know I've been I've been hit by one, and in 12th of May 04. My truck, you know, was blown up. And so the, the 13th of May 04, I decided, you know, I had to make a choice. And do I want to be left a bang or right a bang? Do I want to react to it or do I want to be prepared for it? Or do I want to just hang out on the base camp and never leave again? Well, I couldn't do that. So I said, I'm going to become an expert at IEDs. And I did. And I started teaching left bang theory and soft sat is what the you know the Green Braids call it, the, the Marines call it the uh, combat hunter program. And I started teaching it to even to the point where the Marines asked me to teach it to them in Guantanamo Bay, you know, with the rifle company Windward. What that is, is we're, we're paying attention to cues, right? And so you see a certain amount of cues and you say, okay, based on heuristics and all these, these indicators, what's going to happen next? Because we got to stop thinking about redefining what we just went through but start looking at these problem sets and figuring out where can we step in the gap. And that's exactly what you're doing, right, on the spiritual side and, mm -hmm. and technically, you know, on, on the uh, flesh side, if you will, preparing people, bodies and minds to to do all the things we need to do to survive. But also we're looking at the, um, like for me, the domestic internal defense. Where can I go out and do something 
because we can't just keep going to, you know, I love Clay Clark events, but we can't keep doing events, patting each other on the back and saying, hey, thanks, sounded really cool. We've got to actually be action people. We've got to do something, you know, and that's that's going to get us left to bang. Because then we're going to start seeing these things based on those cues and going, okay, now, you know, it, it sounds like a, you know, sounds like a horse and I'm going to expect a horse to come along and we're going to, we're going to know. We're not going to go with these zebras anymore. We're not going to go with monkey pox or we're not going to go with Ebola and all these, you know, next things in the, you know, pandemic health emergencies of international concern. Sorry, we're just going to ignore you at this point. <laughs> you know, it's amazing you brought up Combat Hunter. Um the uh, agency group that I was working with was part of getting that set up in the Marine Corps and combat hunter. And that was coming a lot from the work I was doing out there as well. It's powerful. And to, for people to understand that that's an observational based program, like you were talking about where you are become so in tune with your environments and you start to be able to read the threat before it's actually happening. Correct. Oh yeah. You, you have to read it. And that's where the training comes in. You right. know, that's, that's, we're looking for these things and we, we could, we could do a class on this. I, I have classes on this and, and I present them all the time to uh, communities so that they can start seeing, right. Seeing the seams and gaps. Cause you're looking at seams and gaps. That's the, that's the point, be it technical, be it physical, um, be it spiritual. And and so all three of those are the, are the attack vectors. And so now we look at, well, what, what, what does that seam or gap look like? And then what does it smell like? What does it sound like? And then we start, developing experience and then pattern analysis. And we look at the patterns and we say, ah, this is what I need to do to counter this. And now you're, you're, you know, I don't like the term, but I'm going to use it fifth generation or uh, 5d chess or 3d chess. You know, we're looking at where, where can we step in the gap to counter the attack before the attack happens? And that's kind of like Jedi mind trick stuff, but it's not that hard. It's not that hard. And it, it, that's no. the, the thing that is once you learn it and once you see it, um, it is, it's so powerful in us being able to operate in, in our communities and being able to be more effective and be part of the solution of not just a victim or part of the problem. Right. 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 It's, That's uh, it. It's good. That's really good, Pete. It's really good. Whether you can goods for a living and you're, you know, 85 years old and you, you know, or you, uh, can, uh, put together a ham radio. I mean, whatever your skill set is that then you're doing you're part of that community and it's good for you mentally it's good for you spiritually to do something and not just sit home and and wring your hands and watch you know even fox news i mean you're 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 only adding to the negativity right 100% you know that's the one <laughs> yeah. thing and i and be It'd be interesting to get your point here as we're kind of bringing this all together. And it's something I have found is that the deeper we get into the spiritual warfare aspect and looking at the whole picture, which is spiritual, you know, we go from the spiritual to the dirt world, right? And more than we start focusing on those sorts of solutions and the things driving the threat, it is really interesting for me anyway, how the, the overall chaos of the news finds less and less place in my daily operations because it is noise and chaos and we just kind of sort it through and go, I need need to get down to the meat and get down to the meat and the bone. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's a nail on the head on that one. Yeah. It's, I don't even, somebody asked me the other day, I was trying to get out of this trailer that I'm in. It's, you know, falling apart. I mean, and uh, I was looking at getting a new one and the guy said, Oh, it comes with a big TV. You can watch TV. I'm like, I don't watch TV. You know, I don't need that model. 
you know, it's like a huge screen TV. I would like, I'd rather put a shelf there where I can put, you know, supplies on. He's like, okay, well, we can, we can uh, configure it however you want. You know, it's a toy hauler so I can haul my uh, ATV around when I'm doing these assessments. But the point is, is that, yeah, we're not, we're, we're not watching TV. We're, that's just mindless garbage. Uh, you know, the guy that sits at home watching football on Sundays, instead of, you know, shoring up his uh, spiritual fighting position is a coward in my book. I, and I hate to say that to all you people who love football. I love it too. But right now we've got a fight on our hands and we don't have time for shenanigans. Well, I think that's just it, Pete. I mean, this is really where we have to step in and say, okay, what is it that we need to do? And, and I think principally every day, and I, I know you and I share this, you've got to get yourself into the word and then you've got to get yourself focused on where you're able to support this fight. You're in that every day. That's one of the great things that people have been listening to your journey on this, which I hope they have. Your focus has gone from kind of the heaviness of the weight that we faced, as you said, a horse, a dog, and you on the border, to uh -huh. watching how the intensity and staying in the word every day, which I know you are, and then moving that uh -huh. forward with the focus of what, you're, what you know your calling was, because you heard the voice of God, and look at where you are now. I mean, literally, you're organizing DID, Domestic Internal oh. Defense, and it, you're, you're making the difference that God needs you to make. And I, I make this claim all the time, is that that's for everyone of that level of accomplishment. All you have to do is get yourself focused and separate from the fear, the doubt, and get focused into where God needs you. Put yourself in the word and then spend the, your every breath you are within him and where he wants you to go. You know, I, first of all, thank you. Um, I work with a guy named Phil Waldron, a retired colonel who has been in this fight since, you know, as well, you know, storied military career, aviator, intelligence guy, uh, technical wizard. Um, he's been in this fight as well. We we have these conversations and we just, sometimes we say we're, we're running on a shoestring. I mean, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're like Sam Adams and the boys, you know, he's got a, he's got a business that, that keeps it afloat, but we, we say, imagine what we could do if we had imagine. And I just say, well, Phil, but God, and he goes, yeah, you're right, Pete. You know, but sometimes we're tired. We were up there last night in the operations center, literally just trying to figure out, you know, okay. And sometimes I get something and I, you know, I get paid to go do something on the side, working some side jobs, uh, threat vulnerability assessments. And I go, Phil, hey, I can float that that particular piece this month for you. All right, got it, brother. And then he comes back, pays me back. And, you know, we, we keep each other afloat. But could you imagine what we could do? Um, and that's why I say, but God, because that's the only way we can do it. 100%. Well, I think the most inspiring part about this is what you are building, which is unlike anything we've ever seen, is you are building truly the next gen of 18 series special forces warriors that are not just focused on the kinetic po point of the spear and the UW aspects, but they're bringing in that spiritual aspect and with it, the ability for an army of people of patriots in this nation to be able to wrap around you and go, we're supporting and fighting with you. I think that's an incredible moment in our history. Yeah. One word team. Good. So that's good. it. One word team. So good. I like it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm Spartan by nature. So it's, you know, the Spartan-esque lingo is uh, laconic as they say in it. And when Leonidas says, you know, Hey, I'm not going to give you these weapons. He doesn't say that. He says, come and take it very, very laconic. And so to me, it's the, the team, 
you don't have to be a Green Beret to do what I'm doing. It it helps, yes. But to do what I do requires a spear. And the tip of the spear is us, but the rest of it is support. Yes. And that's where it happens. That's and that's why it is happening. Because of the support of the of listeners like yours and and the people that I go out and talk to in these communities and they pass our I mean, literally in Texas, this is a known thing, by the way. I'm gonna tell you teach a little Texas etiquette. When somebody comes to speak, one of the guys in the back of the room, just like church, takes off his cowboy hat and they pass it around. This has happened to me just about every event. And then in that cowboy hat is $10, $5, $2, whatever. And that paid for my event to get there, right? Because I'm driving six hours sometimes. And that that's how it works. That's great, man. That is, And it is the way it works. And it's the way it has to work. It's really good. Yeah. So Pete, tell us. I love it. It oh. makes me so happy. I just, I don't even know what to do. I agree, man. No, it's, it's the best way to do it because people are all, and it's all sewing in. I think this is the one thing people really need to understand is you're not donating, you're sewing in. And when you're sewing in, it is literally biblical because you're sewing into something you know that God's leading and God is going to return that favor in your life seven times. And that's not that's not a prosperity gospel. It's just the way that God works. It's just we sow in, we, re, we receive back in ways that are not what we often expect and in ways that are not linear, but we do receive back that which we sow in. And it's a tremendous way of living, right? Oh, there's so much fulfillment in it. And and I didn't realize it, you know, getting out. And when I played the uh, minute and a half clip of uh, my day that I retired and it was a really bad day. Um, I just left a marriage, if you will, to the military where I gave my heart and soul to that family. And I, and I, and I neglected a lot with my own personal family in the sense, not intentionally, but the things that I couldn't do and figured out one day with my son that six years of his life, I didn't see, you know, in numbers, either training or downrange. And, and it was a really sad, you know, example of my first stage of grief, if you will, of the loss. And I think back to that day and I played it while Brad and I were there Uh, on this podcast together, played it up front. And then I went to where I'm at now, like you said, you know, and it was, it was really, you know, I started off with, we feel betrayed. And then, you know, another minute and a half of not belly aching, but just heartbreak. And then where I'm at now, everybody else can be there. You can. And I feel like I'm a totally different person, even from that day of uh, 23rd of May of last year, when I, when I taped that, and I was by myself driving and I pulled over to the side of the road, and I was just upset. And I put that out on my telegram and just said, this is where I'm at. You know, I'm, I feel like I've just been stabbed in the back, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and I get a box in the mail from FedEx that's got my, you know, thank you for your service letter. You know, there was no going away fanfare or nothing like that. I was persona non grata. And I, I don't really care about that. But But it was a hard gut punch, you know, yeah. compared to where I am now, personally, on the personal level. You know, yeah, I'm I'm emboldened. Yes, you are, and I and I, I'm telling you, it's exciting to hear it in your voice. You you, you literally are on fire. You got the Holy Spirit running through you, and I love it. Um, Thank you. There is a point when I, after you know my story in 2017, after they <laughs> crushed, tried to crush me by throwing me in jail. Mm-hmm. There was a period, in, a couple months after that, that um, I I hit a really low point, and I remember I tell this story often. I walked out on the farm that I was staying on. And I was just walking out there and I was talking to God and I was cussing like a sailor. And I just said, look, here's the deal. God, I, I need you to know my heart honestly as it is. And it's going to be coarse. It's broken right now. 
I'm going to speak the things that according to people in the pews are going to send me to hell. So I'm going to walk that path because I don't, there's no other way I can be honest with you. And it was one of the great moments in my relationship with God because the honesty that I was willing to present, he received, never rebuked, just healed. And over the coming years, that, that centered myself in being able to speak honestly to God in such a way that sometimes, and people laugh at the way I talk, and I do. I mean, I, I'll push back on stuff, and, and I'll, you know, I'll get like the, uh, uh, are you done, you know, kind of sort of thing. It's like, yeah, I'm done now. I'll listen. But we, we have that honesty, and I think what you're representing here is so important is you gave a complete honest testimony of the heart. You get it. You put it out there. That's where you're at. You're not yeah. trying to be, there's no pretentiousness. There's nothing you're trying to act like. It's like, this is where I'm at. Yeah. And the Lord's yeah. accepting him. It's like, come home. We're, we're taking you as you are. And we're going to build you up and heal you and to be what you're intended to be. And I think that's what's so incredible about moments like that is they truly are profound. And in a certain way, they're a prophetic statement of where our life was going in a, in a more mm. of an apostolic way because we're, we're speaking honesty and then suddenly the doors open up. And we're just following that. And we're being we're walking in the yes. And when we walk in the yes like that, man, I'm telling you, as you oh. know very well, <laughs> there's no other place to be. Yeah. Walking in the yes, that's a perfect way to put it. You know, I see it in my brothers uh, that are out there, they're out now, you know, Corey, Terry, another Green Beret, who's been on your show numerous times. Um, and then also at at uh, Kentucky, I'm so glad he came down with those two awesome kids of his. Um, you know, we see it because we've been through the fire right? We've been through the fire. And we didn't realize at the time that those things were going to prepare us for this. You just don't know. You don't, your path is guided. You know, it, 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 it is written. I mean, it is written that your path is guided. And, and we know, you know, in Romans, it talks about that all things to those who love God, <laughs> all things work together for the good. So, now it makes sense, and it makes us, honestly, the most dangerous soldiers on the battlefield. It, it, it does make us the most dangerous, and that's exactly why they go after us so hard. It's really well said, because you have no fear left, right? You have no fear. Right. Pete, tell us where people can find you, support you. You've got so much going on these days. Yeah, um, just, you know, drpetechambers.com. Um, I'm on there, and that's my kind of repository of information. So that's good, and that's a great place to interact. You can go to the contact page, but also on Telegram, and it's just Doc Pete Chambers there on Telegram. Um, on Truth Social, I'm on there as well, and that's just a uh, you know Lieutenant Colonel LTC Pete Chambers. But um, you know the main one is is the uh, the website because it does have a link to get you to those other things, so you can. But uh, and there's a you know if you want to support, definitely take it. Um, it's it's there. Support Doc. It's one of the tabs at the top. Uh, it's kind of a hokey website. It didn't remember brother put it together on a uh, on a cheap uh, platform, but it but it works. It gets us to what we need to do. There's nothing fancy about the website. Uh, I've learned how to navigate through it so I can update it, which is what I do. So you know what's going on. Uh, I put out updates on my Give, Send, Go. Uh, that's the support page. And I just say, hey, thanks. This is what's going on now. I try to do it, you know, pretty regularly. You know, sometimes I'm a little bit off, but uh, I will let people know on there, hey, this is what your money is doing. You know, you, you bought us a horse trailer, so I didn't have to borrow one to get my horse to different places. So, you know, and then and other things, you know, gas in the tank and barbecue sandwiches. I mean, it's, it's working. It is, man. That's That's awesome. It really is, and it's it's a great statement to everything you're doing. So, Pete, we always close with a prayer, and I'd love for you to do yes, a prayer today. 
Absolutely. You want me to pray? Yeah, absolutely. I want you to lead the prayer. Why not? This is good. Heck yeah. Okay. By God, this is the best day of my life. All right. <laughs> Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, oh, your creation. Oh, whew. Mm, spirit just hit me. Um, I can't even explain how beautiful it is of what you've done and your blood and what it what it feels like to know that that blood is covering us. It's It's just overwhelming at times. And Lord, I just ask right now that all the warriors listening out there in uniform, out of uniform, never touched a uniform, don't even know what a uniform looks like. Lord, those warriors, that they stand in the gap for you, for your kingdom, that they keep your face in focus and they see it at the end of that balance beam of life and they keep that hand on both sides and their brothers and sisters that don't know you yet or are needing to be discipled, much like me. And Lord, you, you guide our paths, our steps that will take us to that moment in time when what we will do at that moment will echo in eternity. And Lord, I just ask these things in Jesus' blessed name. And one other thing, Lord, please ignore any heathenous bastards' prayers and help us blow them straight to hell. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs> I can't top that. That's the best ever ending. I am going to add this. Father God, we just want to thank you for everything that Pete Chambers is doing and what he's leading in terms of a protecting of the nation and raising up a new class of warriors that truly put their anchor in the, the body of Christ. Father, we just pray that the body of, of Bard's nation now will wrap around him, raise up the prayers and start sieging these heavenly strongholds or these spiritual strongholds to bring to rain destruction upon the fortresses of the enemy, to break the strongholds that the enemy has, to cut the ties and strings to bind, and totally set the stage for a great victory upon the lands and the borders where Pete and his team mm. is operating. Bless them, guide them, anoint them, Father, with this calling to be truly the warriors of our time. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Pete, we got to get you on um, Bars Nation Community. And I told you we okay. talk, we're going to get that set up and get you walked through. I'll get Hannah working with you. And she'll reach out to you. Love to have you start posting over there for us yeah. as you do on Telegram. And it will expand the community. And these, this is obviously a core people that love you, follow you, and your message will be there. And we can even set up some community um, chats, like live video. We've got the capacity to do that. So I think that would be great and really benefit. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up now and see. And uh, and I'll get with uh, Hannah and we'll, we'll make that happen. I would so, love to. Sounds good. Well, brother, just everything, blessings to you and so good to catch up and... Um, it really is, and, and we'll stay in close touch, especially as you're moving forward in this next mission level. I've got We've got things to talk about as well as about many of these warriors coming out that I really want to support you in getting them healed and, and getting some healing foundation under them and to cycle them through and to get their head into this space so we can really build this army as it needs to be. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, brother. All right, man, God bless Let's you, Pete. Get her done. Yes, sir. All Thank right. you, God bless you. Game, okay, bye-bye. Patriots, that was Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers, retired Special Forces. Great friend, brother in Christ, and an absolute warrior in our time. He has got his head in the right place on this fight. And take note on everything he was saying today. This is both a spiritual war first, and then it is a physical war second. And they are on the border, to, and he's on the border every day telling you that. So it's time to raise those prayers and literally siege and lay siege against the fortresses in the spiritual realm that is the enemy strongholds and tear them down. This is how we support all of these efforts and we do it with our prayers. We do it where two or three are gathered or more. And we literally keep in mind that it's iron sharpens iron. Let the Holy Spirit lead, raise your prayers and start laying waste 
to the spiritual fortresses of the enemy. We can take, we cannot let them have any sort of, of territory anymore. The, the war is here and the war is real and it's affecting all of us and we have real men on the line. These are truly the men of, of, our, of our hopes that we've all talked about. You've asked me about where are the soldiers, where are, where, where's our military? They're here and they're now. So keep your prayers up for them. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal, but that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable. And we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
an old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.